Welcome to the San Jose Hockey Now podcast. I'm Sheng Peng, Editor-in-Chief of San Jose Hockey Now. You can also find my work at MEC Sharks and on Twitter at Sheng underscore Peng. And I'm Keegan McNally. You can find me on Twitter at Halfwall underscore Hockey at my website half-wallhockey.com or at San Jose Hockey Now. Shang, this week, what's our headliner? We're talking pretty much all Barracuda this episode. Uh, of course, the AHL All-Star Game is headed to San Jose this Sunday and Monday. I'll be there. Um, anyway, uh, so I want to get into a conversation that, uh, or question that we've been asked by a lot of people over the last couple of months. Basically, why are the Barracuda so bad? Yeah. <laughs> the Barracuda, like the Sharks, are in last place uh, in their respective uh, divisions. And I think that more was expected of the Barracuda. Um, I think, though, one of the problems that when we get into what uh, how good your AHL team should be is that most people don't really know how good the other teams are. There just isn't a sort of that kind of way to compare. It's not easy to compare. And so I try to get into what the expectations should have been for this Barracuda team competitively. And I we talked with, I couldn't think of anybody better to talk to about this uh, with, with Patrick Williams, and he covers the AHL for NHL and AHL.com. So nobody better out there in terms of having a league-wide uh, perspective of the mm-hmm. AHL, which I think is really important here. So it's not just, hey, the Barracuda have Radim Shimmick, Oscar Lindblom, they have some AHL guys, Ryan Carpenter or whatever, right? They should be good. No, I got to compare it to the rest of the division and the uh, rest of the division, what they've got in terms of AHL veteran talent and also prospects too. And so anyway, mm-hmm. I have a great conversation with Patrick. Also too, I talked with a bunch of other people um, scouts, executives, that sort of thing about the Barracuda and just sort of how they see where the Barracuda should be. So we're going to uh, get to that uh, all uh, right now. Yeah, we're going to do uh, we're going to do a little bit of talk before that. We're going to talk about um, Sharks play since the mm-hmm. Seattle game. We're going to talk about Eklund being moved to center for a game or two. Uh, Muka Badulin's NHL play since he was called up. Also, the reason why I'm wearing a jersey this week, because I'm so excited that Muka Badulin got called up. Um, despite anything else happened with the Sharks. Um, a little bit about, about the uh, AHL All-Star news, including Gushin and Muka Madulin. Um, uh, we're also going to talk about Hurdle and uh, a quote that came out about a possible discussion he's going to have in the summer about whether or not he's going to move on from the Sharks or stay. Well, just, just discuss the future, the Sharks' yeah. plan. So, uh, so we'll get into summer it. Summer with my career. Mm-hmm. Um, then we'll have our, our interview with Patrick. And then finally, we are going to do a little bit of a wrap up after um, the interview um, just to kind of talk about what we heard from him and then what you've you've heard from other people about. The yeah, Barracuda. some big picture thoughts uh, about the Barracuda. Very excited. Um, it was a great interview with Patrick. So stick around for that for sure. He had so much knowledge that, you know, people don't realize because it, it's, it's easy to just follow the NHL and, you know, the superstars in the NHL. But not many people know what the real stars are, who the real stars are in the AHL. And mm-hmm. he does and, and what he makes does, a good yep. team. So great interview. Um, we'll talk about it later on. All right. Uh, Sharks are no longer in last place in the <laughs> Tankathon standings. <laughs> they're after. too good. God damn it. <laughs> they're too good. They are. They are world beaters at this point. Um, I'm so upset. No, it's fine. I, I think the the team was you know inevitably gonna start winning just a little yeah. bit of a, a little bit of a bounce up that's been happening and that's and healthier good. weaker schedule too weaker schedule for sure uh, playing a lot of bottom feeder teams um but an interesting thing um we we not me and you but the sharks have been trying Eklund at center um which is a position he hasn't played since his 
2021-22. Yeah, since his draft plus one year uh, in Sweden. Uh, I thought, again, I watched Eklund a lot in his draft plus one year, and I was... You were wrong. I was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wasn't. Back then, he didn't look good at center. Actually, the Sharks even came out and said, like, hey, we fucked up. <laughs> we don't think he's a center either. We're going to put him back on the wing. Oh, That's no, where he's going to play. What did they say that? Well, we can find out they later. S- but, yeah. They said something like, we think he should go back to the wing or something similar to that. Because well, of based yeah, on but his play. If we go back to when uh, Doug Jr. drafted uh, Eklund, he said sure. that we see him as a center eventually. So. And then what do they do the next year after a, a disappointing Well, eventually. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, he, he actually compared him to we'll talk about hurdle but he actually compared him to hurdle because hurdle famously started his career on the wing now uh but the sharks plan was always to 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 move hurdle to center eventually too yeah but i think years there, right so for sure um there's two differences one hurdle is four inches taller than Eklund sure. he's <laughs> 40 pounds heavier than Eklund mm-hmm. or whatever and he he fits that mold of an nhl center a lot better than Eklund does traditionally but um, I also think the style of play that Eklund was playing in Sweden is a little bit different. He's got the puck a lot more when he's playing center right now than he did in Sweden. He was doing a lot more chip and chase, um, that kind of thing that wasn't really giving him a lot of space to actually maneuver with the puck, which is one of Eklund's best strengths. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I was wrong because I thought it wasn't going to go well, but it's only been a couple games, so maybe... He'll go back to wing. Either way, I'm super pumped. Even if he does stick at center or not, he's still looking great. He's had a good run here for the last couple of games. Yeah, he looked particularly good against Seattle. I don't think he was quite as strong against Anaheim, but that's that's going to happen. Um, if he if he is as good consistently as he was against the Kraken at center, he's going to stay mm-hmm. at center. Um, yeah. I think. Um, but of course that consistency is a challenge for any young player at the NHL level. But what I really loved about him in the Seattle game was not just, uh, what he did with the puck and how he pushed mm-hmm. back the Kraken defense. And part of it though, he did say was that the Kraken defense weren't very aggressive on him. So that might be just sure. how the Kraken defend. And so he took advantage of that, uh, you know, chiefly on the Mark Edward Vlasic where he basically took on five Kraken and eventually got the puck to Ty Emerson who got it to Vlasic. Uh, noted yep. goal scorer, uh, Mark Edward Vlasic. Um, but Bobby anyway, <laughs> uh, what I liked about uh, Eklund was just uh, uh, how conscientious he seemed defensively, how hard he tried on the back check. Not a perfect defensive center, of course. He's 21 years old, but of course, if you look at that play, and I was going to clip it, I might write about it during this break, but. If you remember, I think it was the third period. He had like this fancy spinorama, uh, yeah. right? Uh, it's the Eklund, patented Eklund spinorama. Oh, yeah. Eklund spinnies. Yeah, yeah, the Eklund spinny and uh, created a, a good chance for somebody there. But what I liked about that play wasn't that because that kind of fancy stuff is great. But what he did after that play was he back check hard. Uh, yep. Whoever the, uh, whichever Kraken player claimed the puck there. Eklund back-checked hard, and I think he took the puck back, or at least he made a really good effort and at least made it hard for the Kraken player to exit cleanly. And you love to see that. And Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of sort of models for him, right, I think it's interesting that the Sharks have a pretty good model at center for a guy Eklund's size, uh, for Eklund to emulate his game from. And the guy that really talks to about the game, even though this guy is hurt, is Mikhail Granlin. Mikhail Granlin, I think, is 5'10". Stockier and stronger than Eklund now, but um, Eklund is just 21, of course. So Eklund can maybe get there, right? And so that's a good model for a guy who is undersized, but has pretty much played center his entire career. And uh, another thing I thought, too, is that if this is real in terms of, again, just one game, 
And so if this is the best game that Eklund ever plays that center and the rest of the games are a drop off from here, then leave him at wing. Right. But um, if, 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 if Eklund can kind of continue this uh, as a center, then really kind of changes the sort of calculus of his projection kind of right in mm-hmm. terms of uh, suddenly now uh, we're talking about a top six future center or at least a guy who is versatile, uh, legitimately versatile, where he can slide him in in either place and he's going to have a, an impact. And that yeah. makes him that much more valuable. Yeah, and actually, I remember looking at his face-off stats in Sweden during that D-plus one year, and it was actually really good. Not that face-offs mm-hmm. are like anything that are only centers can do or right. even a mark of a good center, but it does... Coaches will like it better if they do have a good face-off man. Sure, yeah. If you could, if so, you pull off a forty-five percent at NHL level, yeah. he was like I, a I, beat, sure I, did, I don't remember but... the exact um, quote. I, I or exact number. I think he was near like fifty-five or fifty-four, which is good because mm-hmm. he was in Sweden. Oh. Yeah, so that's good. I mean, he he definitely has a little bit of face-off talent there, at least at, at that time. Um, I like it. I thought he looked great. Um, mm-hmm. I just was very excited that he was able to hold on to the puck. And that's one thing that not a lot of sharks can do. Um, and he's, <laughs> he, like, if you look at a couple of guys um, on the sharks, they just don't have the ability to, to really hold on to the puck or maintain it against pressure. And Eklund mm-hmm. seemingly has, you know, started to really gain that skill like he's, when had he's at his best yeah when he's at his best uh he's really hard it's hard to take just against like it like i said against the kraken really hard yeah. to 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 take the puck off off of him uh coming from the the carrying it through the defensive zone and neutral zone mm-hmm. um when he was struggling uh, 10 10 or so games uh, that that was a problem he was yep. he was he was getting uh, the pucks checked off of his stick checked off uh, off and that kind of stuff but yeah uh, when he's on his game though yeah uh he might be the sharks best at that except for hurdle uh, yeah, in terms of, uh, that 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 uh that that carrying ability and um mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's very very promising and it, i yeah wonder what they're gonna do this is a different conversation uh deeper conversation for later but if the sharks come out of the break healthy which they project to be uh including her hurdle and granlin um and couture and sturm uh you wonder uh where where where, where eklund could slot in there um, i think there is an mm-hmm. argument based on the first few games here that maybe couture could use some time at wing to kind of get back to speed and, and whatnot um that's yeah. just a, that's just a thought that would be that would be what i might consider um but we'll see what they do yeah that's kind of a tough sell right because mm-hmm. like couture is coming back from injury and he's been center for a long time now um it would be interesting. I mean, maybe he's all for it, and he's like, "Yeah, absolutely, put me on the wing, and let's go." I think, I think while he gets back to speed, kind of, it's fine. I, I think, mm-hmm. I think he he could be open to it. Um, I know they talked about it before he came back, uh, yeah. so it wasn't like it was ruled out. Like, oh, I've been a center my whole life. I'm not going to wing. Um, Couture, yeah. yeah, he's not that. I don't think he's that kind of guy anyway. But uh, Quinn said that those discussions that they had, and um, yep. Couture, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting any any blame on his on his doorstep area he's been gone for a long time um 40 he's missed he missed 45 games right in all the training camps so take some time yeah. to get up to get up to speed uh, kind of uh the wing might be a good idea to to do it to do to to get back up to speed while act playing uh game action it doesn't mean he's gonna stay at wing for the whole year um mm-hmm. it could be three games five games he's back at center but just it's just a thought it could yeah, even I mean, be, be randlin is Granlin's yeah. played played some wing too in recent years, but um, I mean, I think a, I think an interesting line would be you know Kachur and Eklund's on Eklund mm-hmm. being at center. We always 
you know, Pencil and Eklund is like, oh, the winger on Couture's line or Hurdle's right. line or whatever. But yeah, that's an interesting combo there because you give yeah, you, you release really a lot protect, of the yeah, yeah, you release a lot of the pressure from Couture to to cover if if Eklund's able to um you know carry the puck and um back check and and he seems to be playing with a lot of mojo and hustle. Anyway, let's not give away too much of that's that's a that's a good uh, future uh, topic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's looking good now. I'm I'm super excited. Um, hopefully, they continue to prove me wrong, and he's going to stick at center because that does that helps the Sharks tremendously in the future. Right, right. Even just that versatility, right? Where like, okay, he's really good at wing, but he's also really good at center. So if we don't get yeah. a Celebrini, let's say Smith is also equally versatile, which he he projects to be. So we have options for 1C and 2C uh, with Smith and Eklund. But also, too, if we get uh, uh, another center, we can also yep. slide them onto wing. So that really does uh, kind of uh, help the projections of, of the... Get of the uh, get good players, and they'll figure it out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what Quinn said. So. Yeah, basically. All right. Another young player, another exciting player that made his NHL debut this week. Um, Shakir Mukabadulin. Uh, I am so excited. That's my first part. And he, uh, we'll talk in a second. He was also named to the AHL All-Star Game, mm-hmm. but I just, I think it was well-deserved and I really liked how the Sharks did it. They brought him up right before the break to give him a, like a little taste to see what he's got. Mm-hmm. Um, now they can kind of make the decision whether or not he should go back down, um, or stay with the NHL, but they, they gave him a little bit before the break. Cause it, you know, I think that was well-deserved basically based on his play in the AHL so far. And he didn't look out of place mostly. I think. The, no, he did not. Yeah. I think the first game was a little rough um, based on some, uh, based on the replay. Um, but the last two games I've liked him. Yeah. I, I thought again, maybe see the Seattle game was his strongest, but I, mm-hmm. I liked him in Anaheim game. Uh, sure. I, one thing I would say uh, to sort of uh, whet everybody's appetite is uh, I, I, I've also talked with a lot of people outside of the Sharks organization about Mukumadul. And the reason why I do this is, and I, I've said this a few times, um, that if you just talk within the Sharks organization, they're going to feed you a lot of positive stuff. And sometimes it's true. And sometimes they're being a little kinder to, 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 uh, to their asset or their players or, or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, uh, connecting with uh, something else that we're going to talk about, the Barracuda. I talked to a lot of people about the Barracuda. I heard a lot of mixed things about the Barracuda. And so we're going to get into that, right? But with Mukumadulin, every person I talked to, uh, I talked with at least, I would say, five uh, uh, NHL scouts or league sources outside of the Sharks. They all said the same thing. This guy is really good. All of them. There was not, there was not, there was not any, you know, someone might think uh, he's more like a number two guy. Someone might think he's more of a number four guy in the future, but across the board though, everybody has been impressed by him and everybody was also impressed by his NHL stint. Um, So saying that though, so now I've got everybody hyped up. Um, I think there's a good chance that they send him back to the Barracuda when, uh, when they come back. I'm not sure about that yet, but The reasons being, uh, well, for one, uh, if you get Farrell and Thrum back, you have two guys that are going to play ahead of Mukumadulin on the left side. And yeah. then you have guys like Ahotiak and Vlasic, who I know everyone is is down on Vlasic, but 
Vlasic actually the last, if you even take out the goals, he's actually been decent the last yeah. 10 games or so. You really can't take that away from him. And Ohotiak, um, he's a guy you're trying to develop and he is not waivers exempt. And yeah. so there's, there's sort of argument to keep, keep him up. Uh, also, I want to add with Vlasic too. I think people forget this too. If you're a David Quinn and you're trying to keep your locker room together, uh, yeah. if you're a veteran and you're playing well and you get shuffled off for, 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 for a rookie that hasn't necessarily, how do I say it? Uh, it's not like Mugu Dillon came in and was Kale McCarr or Connor <laughs> McDavid, right? No. And it's like, oh boy, like, yeah, we, we can't in, in, in any conscience, uh, uh, send him back to the AHL. He was yeah. good. But he was not so good where you look at the guy and be like, oh, that guy will never play an HL game ever again. Um, I think yeah. that's that would, that would be a um, kind of an underbaked take. Uh, it needs a few opinion. more games there. To, to I really think I, I, I think I, I think I don't think it would hurt him. Uh, that that would be sure. my my guess. And so anyway, if if you're if you're a, a, a Vlasic, right, like you you if you're playing well you should be you should be rewarded or at least you should be in a conversation it shouldn't just be immediately like oh we have a a, a hot young player and we're gonna we're, we're gonna it doesn't matter that that you you play yeah. the these the strong stretch of games sorry sorry mark <laughs> yeah so that you can't keep you can't keep your your room together that way it's a balance for for david quinn uh keeping the veterans but also the younger players all of them all of them hungry and all of them yep. engaged. And so anyway, um, uh, uh, David had a pretty good quote after the Anaheim game. And I asked him, um, do you want Mukumudulin here? And has he made a good case for staying here? And Quinn said, love to have him here. But that's a decision that we had to make as an organization, regardless of whether he played well enough. And I think that we can agree. Even the guys that I talked to, the, the scouts, even though they say there's things that iron out in his game, um, I think that he has played well enough to stay here. Uh, he is probably uh, among the Sharks' top six best defensemen right now when they're healthy. So I'm not I'm not questioning that. But the more important thing, though, than that is what is best for his development. That's a, really the only thing that matters. And so there's an argument that yes, he is among the Sharks' top six now defensemen when they're healthy. But sure, is he better served playing? Bigger minutes in the AHL where he doesn't have a Farland thrown in front of him, doesn't have uh, somebody in the power play in front of him, um, be it an Addison or a Couture or a Granlin at the point, right? Uh, sure. So is he better served with those big minutes? And also, too, even though the Barracuda are in last place, they're still within shouting distance of the playoffs. If they may, they can still make a run for the playoffs. Uh, the Sharks, if they make a run, they're just making a run to to the to the to the to the tenth spot in the draft, yeah, which they don't want to do, <laughs> which they don't want to do anyway. But yeah. uh, with with the Barracuda, if they make a run, if they win say the next five games, they're right back in the conversation. So they're 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 still uh, so they're still basically in it, even though they're they're in last place. And so, is it better for Mukumudun's development that he plays uh, big games, important games uh, with the Cuda? And of course, he's going to come back on some point too. Yeah. Um, once the, the Cuda are out of the playoffs or after the trade deadline or whatever, anyway. So it's not like, yeah, it's not like uh, keeping him from forever. the next. Yeah, yeah, it's not like keeping him from the next ten AHL games is or fifteen or whatever uh, is going to be crippling for his career. But anyway, I just want people to remember that, that as good as he's looked, I think that's that's that is the key, and I, I agree that what is best for his development is really the only thing that matters. And that's something that I, I, again a tease for a future conversation, but. Yeah, I think that that brings up a, a, a good conversation about about uh, overbaking your prospects or kind of letting them 
you know, just kind of letting them uh, uh, run loose in the NHL and see see what he can do, let them grow up in the NHL. And yeah. so that's something that I think I want to get to in the coming weeks because I think that's going to be really relevant with with the, with the Sharks and all the prospects that they have. The I I would not be upset if they sent him down, not mm-hmm. because he hasn't earned being in the NHL, just because I think what you mentioned is is correct. There's a lot of guys currently that are ahead of him on the depth chart or, or at least you need to keep for right now until the trade deadline and all that stuff so you know it and i think hopefully he takes that well and, and understands that he he did do really well here and, and i think they told him that <laughs> that he's done very well um on the sharks and uh, i think it's just good to have like a lot of sharks defenseman prospects are are they have elements that are really good like havlet's got a great shot but he's five foot ten and we're you know canyoni is a great playmaker and a great but he's five foot ten but he's five foot nine <laughs> um or or like jake furlong is a, you, good, yeah. <laughs> is a good defenseman but he and he's six foot two or whatever but he's not offensively gifted at all it's like muku Dolan has all of the elements to be a mm-hmm. top four defender at the nhl level that makes you excited. He's got he has great mobility, great shot from the point, great playmaker, can play decent defense right now. Um, and he can close on players really fast. He plays physical. He's got a lot of the elements that can turn into a top four defender. Mm-hmm. And that's something to... And we both, I think, had him ranked third on our prospect rankings in the beginning of the year. I think we did. I had him Yeah, third. yeah, third after uh, Smith and Eklund. And now Eklund has graduated. So, so he's a clear number second. two. And by the yeah. end of the season, uh, Mukumudu may not be on this list anymore because he, yeah. there's a good chance that he he, he will have graduated. Uh, he's shown yeah. enough that I could see it's it. Possible. I just don't For sure. don't think that needs to be right after the, the all-star break. Um, mm-hmm. And I just want to add, I just want to give a little tease. Uh, uh, this uh, this, uh, this episode is going to be a lot of teases, a lot of future conversations here. But yeah. uh, so these conversations that I've had uh, with, people outside the organization. I'm going to start sharing them. I have an article article plan, but the thing I want to tease about it is that I heard a really exciting projection for Muka Madulin. Um, uh, definitely a projection above a middle-pairing defenseman. And a name that I heard when I heard it, I was like, oh, that that makes sense. He mm-hmm. looks like it. He kind of looks like him. And no, it's not Chris Pronger. <laughs> it's Chris Pronger. I can do it. No, it's not. It's not. So, <laughs> so it's probably a more realistic comp sure, than, sure. Than, than a Hall of Fame, uh, 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 Hall of Fame defenseman. So yeah. I'm not saying Mukumulun is going to reach reach those heights. So I don't want to oversell it. But um, it's um, man, you know, you watch him. He's one a guy you watch, and you just watch him like, oh, I get it. I, I get why the Sharks uh, yep. picked him from the Devils prospect pool over. Uh, whole, like guys that might that might have been available, guys like Holtz or Casey, guys in that range. Again, let's throw out uh, Luke Hughes. We weren't getting him. You weren't getting Dawson Mercer for for Timo Meyer. So throw out those guys. Uh, you weren't getting Nemich either. But beyond <laughs> the Devils are so deep in their prospect pool um, that it, this is a, if Mukubloon's a consolation prize, it's a it's a, it's a damn good one. Yeah. Yeah, they've got basically they've got. Now, if you graduate Eklund, they've got their second best prospect in Mugamadulin, probably their third best prospect in Musty, and Zetterlin, and Ohodiak, and another pick for Timo Meyer, which is, yeah. So I'm trying basically saying to say they got like their second and third best prospect as of now, plus Zetterlin, mm-hmm. plus Ohodiak, and another pick right. for Timo Meyer, which is an insane trade. In, the, in hindsight, an insanely good trade. Yeah. As of now. But, you know, stuff changes. Timo Meyer can still. Yeah, be I think Timo's going to find his game. Uh, Timo's a terrific player. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Um, a little bit of a transition. Mukabadulin got named to the AHL All-Star game while being in the NHL, which I thought was hilarious. Um, it just, just a funny quirk. And now we, we kind of know um, why. Basically, Gushin isn't going to play in the AHL All-Star game, which is very sad. Well, I don't know if it's if they're actually connected. Uh, Jonathan sure. Becker actually teased uh, during uh, the jersey unveiling. They had a state of the Sharks that we talked about last week. Yep. He teased that the the Barracuda were were going to get uh, somebody else, uh, and so I think Might I think that this related. this was this was this was in the works. Um, and so yeah, it's just more of a shame that they weren't going to play together because I think that's what the Sharks were hoping that they would have two of their brightest young prospects in the Barracuda with the Barracuda now playing together uh, mm-hmm. at the all-star game in their backyard. Uh, that, that, that would have been nice. Um, so with, uh, with Gushin, um, I think that the, 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 the injury projection shouldn't be too long-term. I was initially told day to day. I wonder if it might be a little bit longer, but the sense I get though, is that it's, it's not something that should take him out for too long. Hopefully he's back. The Barracuda are back in action after the all-star game, February 9th. And so that'll be a nice target for him to get back and to help with sort of whatever playoff push that they're they're going to try. Um, and then, of course, a trade deadline March 8th, and there's a good chance that you'll see him right back with the Sharks. So hopefully he's health, healthy for both those things. Now, here's the the ultimate uh, gamesmanship. We send down Eklund to the AHL <laughs> <laughs> to make the Sharks worse and to make the Barracuda better. Boom. Brilliant. Brilliant. So, I'm I mean, not Eklund sure. might be a little, a little yeah, upset yeah. about that one. I think, I think you'd be a more, than, uh, more than a little upset by that. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, I am super sad. Uh, I've been waiting to see Gushin around, you know, his peers around AHL All-Stars, and not going to happen. So, But now I can buy a Mooka Madula in Barracuda jersey. Yeah. Right. Or AHL or All-Star. And uh, you, you can get the 7 and 8, so you can switch them back and forth, too. So, Ooh. <laughs> yeah, they're right, right? The 5, just keep the 5 on, and then uh, I love get, get, get two different nameplates and get a 7 and 8. and just Beautiful. <laughs> now you're or you can really show your love for the Russians. Have a 75 on one side and 85 <laughs> on the other side. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now you're really thinking, man. This is going to be a, a Frankenstein of a jersey. Um. It's been a good week. That's why I'm wearing a jersey because there's a lot of fun, you know, prospect related things that happen. Yeah, yeah. Stars. Things feel like this week that uh, with Mukhbadulin showing that uh, uh, NHL caliber play and obviously yep. Eklund showing NHL caliber work at center. So a lot of exciting, uh, exciting prospects uh, kind of kind of stuff. Also, to another tease I want to drop too, my uh, writer Nikita Sokolov, who you know has done incredible. Uh, features on Mukumadulin and on Romanov. He has a terrific one about Gushin coming out. Unfortunately, uh, Gushin uh, uh, will not be. It, it was uh, set to run during the AHL All Star Week uh, yep. in court in uh, sort of um, simultaneously with the with AHL All Star Week. I'm still going to put it out because it's a great story. And uh, anyway, so so look for that. Yeah. All right. Um... Let's talk a little bit about Tomas Hurdle mm. um, and what we're thinking might, um, or what we think about the quote that happened this week, basically related to to Hurdle and a discussion about his future happening in the summer. Um, Hurdle, as we all know, has got re-signed to a long-term deal while the Sharks were still in that transition period from Joe Will and uh, DW to Mike Greer eventually. 
Um, and it seemed like at the time it was a team going in two directions where you're signing one of your older vets to a long-term deal, but you're also rebuilding and shipping off guys like Brent Burns and eventually. No, I, I disagree with that though. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I want to address that. Um, mm. uh, anyway, though, the, the quote exactly from Hurdle is, um, we will, you know, we'll, we'll talk after the season again, what are the plans here long-term? And maybe he says it's best to trade me now, my career, and get get sure. something. And so, anyway, um, the reason why I, I jumped in on you there is so it was indeed a transition uh, phase when when Hurdle signed. It was March 2022. Um, sure. Doug uh, uh, had stepped down in November, or so Joe Will had had taken over. Um, Mike Rear was still not a, a a thought in anybody's not a twinkle in anybody's eye that he would take over the Sharks in a couple of months. And at that point, the Sharks, when Hurdle signed, um, the talk was still that they weren't going to rebuild. They yeah. were going to reset. They were going to reload all the different R words we talked about with Corey right a couple weeks ago. That <laughs> all, all, all the R words except for rebuild. And the hurdle signing seemed to be a sign of that, that, okay, they were going to try to reload quickly and turn this thing around uh, pretty quickly. Sure. Um, and I think that that's what hurdle signed for. I don't think hurdle signed for a rebuild. I know a lot of fans, they look at the timing of NBA and they say like, Oh, uh, hurdles in a gilded cage. Uh, Tommy should be happy. He's he, he, he brought this on himself. He should have known better. Now the he should have known better part. Yeah. Someone should have told him, look, I know the sharks are telling you this, but look, look at the reality of it. Uh, yeah. You guys aren't going to be very good. It's going to be really, really hard to make you guys really good with all the contracts and all that kind of stuff around you guys. Um, yeah. So maybe, maybe some, maybe hurdle should have got, should have, should have got some advice in that area. But I, I don't think that the sharks told Tommy hurdle something like, Hey, oh. we're about to rebuild here. Oh, of course. Uh, and, and uh, do you want to sign on for that? Oh, sure. Yeah, I will sign. If you can give me eight years, 65.1 million. Okay, I'll sign on for that. Again, uh, I'm not no. saying what I thought Hurdle thought. I'm saying what I thought or what fans kind of perceived to be a team on the decline. But basically. I think I think though that's there's different discussions though, right? And so that's that's sure. why I wanna I know I know that fans thought that look, I thought that, right? We uh, all thought I, it. The I, whole I, NHL I, world I thought, thought that that they should they should trade Hurdle back then. And that's to do with his quality on or off the ice, which is that I didn't see mm -hmm. much of a immediate future for the Sharks team to be competitive. But I think it is really important because I think a lot, uh, I do think a lot of fans mix up the timelines and they think, oh, Hurdle yeah. somehow knew or this is what he signed up for. And I don't think this is what he signed up for. And so that leads to, uh, I guess, my larger point and another tease that I, I, I'm digging on. But <laughs> I would guess that he would want to leave. Uh, and I, that's a feeling that I've, I've gotten... Um, uh, since 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 training camp of, of, of this year, just sort mm -hmm. of puttering around on it, digging around, talking to people. Um, that it's not like when you talk with with with, with Tommy about this that he's like, oh yeah, I, I'm in this, I, I I'm in this at the end. <laughs> yeah. Um. Um. And so anyway, uh, beyond that though, yeah. So the like you said, the feeling is that 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 this was not something that that he's. He he's in the long haul for for this rebuild, and again, this is not what he signed up for. This is not uh, this is not what he resigned for. And yep, so, I think yep. the larger question that we've talked about that um, that I'm digging on is: Can they move him this summer with his big contract? And my immediate assumption has been that it's really hard to, and I've said that many times. Uh, but 
and here's the tease. Um, I talked to someone outside the Sharks organization that told me that he thinks it's actually pretty doable. Yeah. And that's, that's a big, big thing to hear from somebody outside the organization. If it's again, this is the reason why you talk with people outside the organization because if someone in the Sharks organization tells me, Oh yeah, we could trade Tommy Hurdle for sure. For sure. <laughs> you know, with the no, no, no retention. And yeah, we'll get this and that for him. I'd be like, uh, I don't know. I, I think, I, I think you have, you, you have a vested interest in telling me that. Sure. Um, so the person telling me this doesn't have as, as, as much of an interest in it. And so I'm going to dig on what he said and I'll, I'll report back uh, in, 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 in due time on that because what he told me was interesting. And I, I, I wonder if it could factor in making him a little bit more movable this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll see, we'll see. And uh, one thing that I am working on too, and this one will, this is a story that will come out tomorrow uh hurdle really is a, a brand new player this year i know that if you look at the points 34 and 48 games it doesn't sound like like that much it actually is behind his pace last year 63 points but if you look at just how dominant he has been in terms of controlling the puck um his on the ice deeks for example just you, you you notice if you watch a lot of games just he's able to beat guys at will this year which he wasn't able to do this year and so just one tease uh, for the article that's coming out tomorrow is that he's gone from like uh, he was like 90th in the league uh, in, in Deeks last year to really, really high. And that's a guy that's a sign of a guy that is confident in control of the puck. Um, and so those 34 points in 48 games uh, this year. If he had a better team around him, those would be a lot more points. Even if he had last year's team around him with Meyer and Carlson, even if he had those guys or just those guys, um, I, I, I think he'd be a point per game player this year. And mm-hmm. so he has, he has found his game and that will make him easier to move. Yeah. I have, t- I have two thoughts. Um, one, the NHL's market for centers, despite a long and, and mm, kind point. of risky um, contract for hurdle, the NHL is always looking for centers exactly like hurdle. Um, and especially competitive teams that are trying to extend their window just a bit, and they have some bad contracts that they might be wanting to send back or, or that kind of thing. I think there's a deal there just from a, an outside perspective, just to think about it. But it would be it would take some doing because he does have a big contract, but it's not like Greer hasn't finagled a huge contract or two or three before, so mm-hmm. it's possible. Um, and yeah, it's really all about hurdle wanting to leave and a team wanting to find it. Like nobody thought we'd get a Carlson deal. And then we got a Carlson deal pretty quickly. Um, I think there is a market for him. That's my first thought. And, and I think that, um, my second thought is I still, and we may never know the answer to this question. We still don't, I just don't understand the, the thinking to sign re-signing hurdle in the first place. And we've, we've, we've gone over this a lot. Because, yes, maybe they did think that they were going to turn it around or whatever. But then within three months, they're hiring a guy who then is like, okay, we'll see. We're going to trade Burns and then trades under a couple guys like within a year after that. So and it seemingly goes through the rebuild. And it's I'm happy that they did it finally and they cut their losses and started mm-hmm. this rebuild process. But it's still it, it didn't show a clear direction from the top at the time sure. and then throughout. So that's like still a mystery to me why they did it in the first place instead of just doing a Meyer type deal, but whatever. Now we just uh, have to find a team that's going to basically send us bad contracts back to, to take hurdle. 
Well, my understanding, uh, and I've mentioned this before, is that Doug was always going to resign Hurdle. He always wanted to. Mm -hmm. And so Joe was, I think, still, even though Joe made decisions independent eventually, like the Kakanen trade, I believe, is Joe Wills. But Joe was still operating under sort of that that framework or or, or outline or or, or whatever, right? And that was to, that they were going to, they were going to try to re-sign Tomas Hurdle. And so he did. Um, at some point from Joe Will, the Doug regime, to Mike Greer, um, something changed. It might be a little more subtle than it looks uh, because if you, again, going back to our conversation with Corey, uh, Corey pointed out that, look, if the Sharks were better last year, as their underlying stats suggested they should be, mm-hmm. and with Eric and Timo having career seasons, that the Sharks should have ha- had a better record. So with a better record, maybe they don't move on from those guys. Yeah. And even Brent Burns, right? Brent Burns was directly because Brent wanted to leave. Yeah. If if Burns wanted to stay, if Burns uh, was like a couture and and just say, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll run this back again, right? They would have brought him back and they would have tried it once again, probably with Eric and Brent and Timo and with better goaltending, maybe, may, yeah, may, may, maybe they, they get themselves into the fringe of the wild card race. I don't know. Um, that's, I actually think that is possible considering how good a season both sure, uh, Meyer and Carlson yeah. had last year. Right. But anyway, though, and so it looks really sharp, I guess the, the contrast, but if you look at sort of the sort of the the behind the scenes of the of of the of, of the of all these different mm-hmm. uh, 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 events, hurdle resigning, hiring Mike Greer, trading Brent Burns, and sure. eventually the trades of uh, Timo and Eric, that it's not so cut and dry. Yeah. Um, and so it's not as like 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 uh, Hasselpotner just did a U-turn. <laughs> it was more like a really slow left. <laughs> and then, oh, crap, we got a U-turn. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, it just, I, that, that period of time was just like a rudderless ship in the ocean, just like steadily, just like taking on water yeah. and taking and on water. And that's, and that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I dug has received criticism for that. I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, I have mentioned too that I think Doug saw Tomas Sherdo as a Joe Pavelski, Logan Couture leader type guy that could be with the organization for yeah. not if not the lifetime of his career as we've seen with Joe Pavelski. Lifetime for of the contract. A really yeah. long time. A really long time. Yeah. And um so that was that was his thinking. And I think that is defensible thinking, whether or not you whatever you think of whether or not they should have resigned or not. But that wasn't a, a wild thought on, on Doug's mm-hmm. part. Uh Hurdle is proving it this year. I guess my final point is that um Hurdle, if you watched him last year, he wasn't a difference maker. It was sure. it was worrisome watching him last year. Like oh, I yeah. said, he he couldn't beat guys uh uh going through the middle of the ice like he used to be able to in previous years. He looked slower. Um I think uh, I wondered if it was age because he was, he was, he was, he was, he was about to cross 30. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year though, again, throw out the points. Think of, think about how bad a team he's playing on. Um, he is a difference maker. Uh, if you just look at relatively like the first 11, uh, 11 games of the year, when they started out 10, zero, 10 and one, he was literally the only competent looking angel forward uh, that the Sharks were, were playing at that point because everybody else was struggling. Eklund, uh, Zetterlund will start off on the fourth line. Um, Granlin was, 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 was injured for, for most of that. Couture was gone, obviously. So anyway, 
if you look at him relatively, um, yeah, he he's been uh, he's been the Sharks' best forward by far. Uh, this season, maybe only Granlin over the last couple of months is is in that in that discussion. But anyway, so Hurdle is back to being a le- legitimate difference maker. I do think that that teams do see that. And then, as you mentioned, as you alluded to, uh, with 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 Carlson, that if if you have a guy that is like that, even with a terrible contract, that teams will at least talk with you and 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 consider and try to figure out how 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 to make it work. Yeah. I mean, we just had two center deals in the NHL, both for expiring UFAs that were first round pick plus other picks and mm-hmm. prospects and stuff. Um, and I can only imagine what Hurdle would have gotten in 2021-2022 to a contender. Um, That's not to think about it. <laughs> I know. Because now it's like maybe we'll get a first round pick if we if it's similar to the Carlson deal where we we take on a Grantland and a Ruta and a et cetera, et cetera, right, et cetera. Right, 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 right. And off. And so maybe that's the, the deal. And you know what? I think at this point, if Hurdle wants to to go and have a um, a more quick, like while he's still got a peak of play, yeah, um, have a a competitive uh, Stanley Cup aspirations on a team, he should go for it. I, I right, love Hurdle right. to death. He's been one of my favorite players since he was drafted, but maybe it's time. I would also argue too that if he, if they have to keep him, just because his contract is tough to move, or uh, he uh, he. I don't know, changes his mind and he wants to stay. He likes what he sees with, with, with the sharks um, that he's also really valuable uh, mm-hmm. on the ice. And we talked a lot about this, just um, how he makes every line, how he still, I guess that he drives a line still. Yep. Um, and so that, that is the definition of, of a difference maker. And while he may not be obviously uh, a franchise Connor McDavid type, he still is a difference maker on your line. And so, um, yeah, so so he still has a lot of value to the Sharks as a mentor. Just imagine where the Sharks team would be uh, without him. And what 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 would Eklund and Zetterlund be doing? And then let's say Granlin is hurt and Couture is gone the whole season. I'd be, <laughs> We'd be Chicago. <laughs> yeah, right now, Chicago without Bedard, yeah. Without so. Bedard, yep. And, uh, and also, he's now part of Team McDavid because in the NHL All-Star <laughs> game, you get, you know. He got to sign to Team McDavid, so that's got to up his trade value, right? Maybe he goes out and puts up like six goals in the All Star game. That'll be awesome. Like, oh, I'm, I'm cheering. I'm cheering for that because <laughs> he was. I'm, I'm cheering for one of the last round guys to do that of a Toronto uh, Bjorkstrand yeah. and uh, who was the other? Oh, uh, Trocheck. So. Trocheck, yeah. Yeah, it'll yeah, be awesome. One of those guys uh, puts on a show, reminds reminds the people that yeah, I, I may have been the like the 30th best angel player here, but being the 30th best angel player pretty is still good. pretty fucking good. <laughs> yeah. And like Petrano was one of the hottest goal scorers in the league in the first like two weeks sure. of the season or month of the season even. Yeah. So he's cooled off a lot, but yeah, um, yeah I super pumped. I mean, the NHL all-star weekend is always fun and a shit show. So I'm excited to watch it this weekend, uh, including the skills competition tonight. So super pumped. I'm the only fan in the NHL that's actually excited about the skills competition. <laughs> Not because I want to, like, I don't really, I don't know if it actually showcases NHL skills all that well, but it's just always such a nightmare to to produce and to, to see on television. It's the only reason I want to watch it. It's like watching car crashes in NASCAR. <laughs> Basically, that's what it does. All right. 
Well, we've got a special guest on today. Um, I want to preface uh, our our guest by uh, by saying or mentioning that a lot of you guys have asked us about you know what's going on with the Barracuda right now. They are in last place. They're eleven points back of the last playoff spot in Pacific. Uh, they've been bad for a number of years, and so what's going on with them? Uh, should John McCarthy be fired? Um, just looking some of the deeper issues uh, with the Barracuda. And so anyway. Um, Part of the reason why we're having uh, our guest Patrick Williams on is because I think it's hard uh, when you cover a specific AHL team, you kind of get caught in that sort of um, a sort of uh, echo chamber with that team. Mm -hmm. And you don't really know what's going on uh, uh, beyond that team kind of. You don't know who are the good AHL players, who are the good AHL teams. Of course, you can look at the record, but uh, it's not like the NHL where there's so many uh, people watching that you get a good sense of how to measure uh, your team against a competition. The AHL, it's really, really hard because there's very few people that really have a league-wide perspective. So anyway, Patrick mm-hmm. Williams, uh, he is on the AHL beat for AHL.com, for uh, AHL.com too. And so I don't think, I can't think of anybody better in terms of uh, having that sort of league-wide perspective. So uh, welcome, Patrick. Hi, uh, great to be here. Thanks thanks for having me. Yep. Thanks for coming, Patrick. All right, let's, let's start off... Um with a uh, uh, little bit of an e- uh, easy question, I guess. So mm-hmm. fans kind of have asked the question of Sharks GM Mike Greer in his last like media availability last week, if it's kind of okay to be disappointed in the Barracuda, to paraphrase whoever that fan was. Um, would you say disappointed is a good word to kind of describe this Barracuda season? Uh, yes, I would be, uh, hesitantly say yes. Uh, okay. I mean, they're they're below where I thought they would be. Mm-hmm. That being said, I don't know that they left themselves a lot of margin for error either. Um, just in the sense that uh, they didn't have necessarily a ton of veteran supplemental help there, right? Like mm-hmm. those vets that you can count on um, that I think often are overlooked, but are absolutely vital at this level. And, you know, like I think of, you know, somebody that might be familiar for, for uh, Pacific Division fans out there would be like an Adam Cracknell. He's been mm-hmm. in Bakersfield, Tucson, Henderson now. A guy who's who's there on an AHL contract, not going to be called up. Uh, and is there, you know, strictly to help um, both on and off the ice. Like, he's a guy who can still go out and get you 20 goals, 25 goals in a good season. But he's also there to kind of uh, stabilize uh, the younger roster, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the the I guess the question that always comes up is, how do you evaluate a team? And it's so difficult with this league because it, the first question, like my question back to that question is always, well, what is that team's objective? Sure. Because 32 teams in this league have some very different objectives. Some are, are, are in it to win it every year. And then you have kind of the other extreme where as long as they figure, as long as we're developing five or six prospects, hey, if we win, great. If not, so be it. Uh, that's our That's our objective here. And so, you know, it makes it difficult to kind of really get a sense of the standings. Okay, like who is who is underperforming, who is over overachieving, mm-hmm. you know, who, who's kind of going right, you know, according to what they uh, had expected. So I think the Barracuda are, are, are a disappointment for sure. But, you know, then when you look at the roster, like I said, it's, you know, they – they were – everything had to break just right, I think, for this team to have mm-hmm. any real significant success. 
I've been, this is a conversation I've been having with a lot of people uh, in terms of just how many elite high-end AHL players do the Barracuda actually have? And of course, that's that's different, right? Obviously, a guy who's elite in the AHL is may not be elite in the NHL. So it's always hard hard to measure. A guy like Cracknell, who you mentioned, not saying he's an elite AHL player, but he's a guy, he goes up to NHL, he's not sniffing 20 goals. He's lucky to no. get five goals or whatever, right? But in the yeah. AHL, though, he is a high-end, he might be considered mm -hmm. a high-end player. And so if you try to judge the Barracuda and their record against the stack them up against the rest of their division. And this is again, conversation I've had with uh, other uh, scouts, um, uh, executives, see what you think, Patrick. Um, so how many elite high end age players do the Barracuda have? Well, they have one in Ryan Carpenter, but he's not with the team right now. And yeah. high end, yeah. High end veterans that you uh, expected to be on your team to lead the way, but uh, he is not, he's uh, on the sharks fourth line. Uh, maybe uh, uh, Leon Gavanka, who is down there and having a good season. And, of course, uh, maybe Daniil Gushin, they're also who's emerged mm -hmm. as a uh, top-flight AHL player. But that's that might be it, though, in terms of the the kind of the, the elite players. I know there's some other good ones that they're missing, like Justin Bailey. But I don't mm -hmm. know what you think of, uh, of, of that kind of uh, uh, summary. And also, if you can compare that to other teams in our division. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a very fair assessment. Um, you know, you look at... Okay, Gushin. Uh, you know he's he's. Uh, I I I think he's maybe come along a little bit faster than I expected. Like like he's really been uh, impressive from what I've seen with him. Um, Carpenter, I was going to mention him. I mean, like a great example. Like that was a guy that you know on a lot of other teams, um, he could have been down with the AHL club all season and kind of really stabilized things. And you know, again, this. This also comes up to the issue of, okay, well, what's your NHL team doing? Well, your NHL team is, is, is struggling. They're hard-pressed for depth. So automatically, okay, a guy like Carpenter gets pulled up kind of the, you know, the first, you know, first opportunity. And so, you know, the, that, that lack of depth really just kind of permeates everything. And, um, yeah, you go up and down the lineup. Like, like uh, I think at this level, Oscar Lindblom has the potential to be, um, you know, a high end player, but you know, he's had a he tough had season early in the year. He's had a tough season and, you know, he's also in that, that strange stage now of a kind of like a Gavanka almost where is he a veteran? Is he a prospect? You know, is he something in between, you know, I mean, is that kind of that no man's land mm. that a lot of players in their mid, even sometimes latter half of their twenties find themselves in, uh, as opposed to, let's say, like, you know, a guy who's 30 plus, who's who's very much at this point, you know, an mm -hmm. AHL player um, and is kind of settled in and is at peace with that. A lot of, you know, uh, that, that's something I think people overlook, too, that that takes some time, I think, for players to get their head around. Like, OK, I'm going to embrace the, the role of an AHL veteran versus I still have a chance to make the NHL. I still have a chance to get some games up there. You know, I think. It's a difficult concept uh, for players to accept, um, but once they do and they really like a crack note, for example, um, once they embrace that and they're they're all in uh, with what they're doing at the AHL level and um, have kind of an eye on maybe what they're going to do after hockey, um, those players are they tend to be your best types of vets, right? So um, yeah, it's, it's you know I look up and down that Paracuda roster, it's a lot of. A lot of guys are kind of on their second, third chances. A lot of guys that uh, are, are, you know, prospects, but they're uh, different stages of their own development, you know, and they, they've maybe had some setbacks. So 
Um, it's a kind of a mix, a little bit of everything that doesn't quite seem to work together, if that makes sense. <laughs> well, yeah, we're seeing that on ice. That's not quite working together. But I yeah. wanted to mention with uh, Carpenter, too, um, a lot of Sharks fans, uh, just to kind of put it in perspective, the Sharks have been missing Logan Couture for uh, almost the entire season. And yeah. think about how tough that's been on the Sharks. I mean, for a Barracuda, Carpenter is basically like missing Logan Couture for an entire season. You're 1C for an entire season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think the other issue for, for the Barracuda, quite frankly, is the goaltending, right? Like mm-hmm. um, you don't have that, that, that number three necessarily. Right. Um, NHL number right? three. Yeah. NHL yeah. number three, where yeah. guy that can easily go up and down, he can go up uh, to the NHL when needed, if there's an injury or, or what have you, but when he's in the HL, he can be a real dependable number one and bring along, you know, uh, uh, number two prospect, right? You know, mm-hmm. and I think Mackie Nimi, I think at one point, I think maybe had that potential, but there's just been so much injury issues for him. And just, you know, he's had a tough go of it too. So he's still trying to find his game. And, you know, it's sort of, sort of no, nobody has stepped forward, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like it's a, you know, it's a team with an 884 save percentage. And, you know, it's going to be difficult to uh, score your way out of, out of that kind of situation as well. And that's obviously not all on the goaltending. Uh, you know, there's definitely been some oh, yeah. defensive misadventures that I've seen, uh, you know, watching the uh, the Barracuda at different points. And, you know, they, they give up the third most shots per game in the league. So, you know, they're, you know, as with most uh, things in hockey, you know, you can usually like, you know, point at several factors, you know, for why mm-hmm. things aren't quite working. And yeah, there's a, uh, we're actually we're going to get into the uh, just the different position groups here in a second mm-hmm. on the on the Barracuda. Um, the the elephant in the room, I guess, is John McCarthy. Um, mm-hmm. This is his second year coaching the Barracuda. It's his second year as the head coach as a head coach in general. Um, how much of the team's success or or their lack of success can be chalked up to him being kind of new for this role? Do you think? Or is that hard to evaluate? You know, it is. It is hard to value because, like, I look at that roster, I'm thinking, well, okay, all right, you know, I think of some of the best coaches in the league. Like, I'll think of a Todd Nelson and Hershey. Mm. I'll think of a Carl Taylor in Milwaukee, like the, the high-end guys, the guys that, you know, every year kind of talked up as potential NHL head coaching candidates. And I ask myself, okay, well, what would they be doing with this roster? And uh, would they be able to kind of coach it up a little bit? Yeah, probably a little bit more. Mm-hmm but I'm not sure that this team would be significantly better off either. Right. I mean, it's, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of gaps on that roster that just, you know, you can only coach your way through that so much. Um, And, you know, I think the first thing that you, you would like to see, I guess, you know, would be the penalty kill. I think that's an area where you really could start to, um, uh, you know, kind of stop some of that, you know, that's, you know, the leaks in, in the boat, so to speak. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, get yourself a good penalty kill, uh, get that thing, uh, start with that and then work your way up. Right. Uh, that's the, one of the first things I look at for a team that's struggling and, you know, it's just so demoralizing too, right? Like it just, it leaves a team with no margin for error, you know, like, and, uh, you know, so that, that's the first issue. And, you know, as far as McCarthy, I mean, he walked in a diff- difficult situation because, you know, he came in to, you know, a team where the NHL club is going under obviously a long extended rebuild. Uh, the AHL team hasn't had much success really. I mean, other than that one run in 2017 to the Western conference final Barracuda haven't had all that much success. Right. So, um, 
you know, there's not that winning culture, that expectation where, you know, like I looked at like a a Providence, for example, or Toronto or Hershey, you know, teams that every year uh, generally are are in the mix and there's a certain expectation and success creates more success, uh, becomes a more attractive place to play because, you know, everybody wants a winner. And if you go, let's say to Hershey, you you're able able to, to play deep into the playoffs and maybe get yourself an opportunity either with the big club or with somebody else's um, NHL club. So, uh, you know, it all kind of, it's all kind of interlinked at all. Well, one hand feeds the other, but um, you know, I think McCarthy, uh, you know, he's a young coach, right? There's, you know, there's going to be growing pains with any coach. And I think, you know, you could pretty much every, everyone, who's anyone as a coach has at one point or another come through the AHL, right? Like you, if you talk to a Bruce Boudreau, if you talk to mm-hmm. a, a Barry Trotz, if you talk to a John Tortorella, they would all tell you like, you know, their first couple of years in the AHL as a head coach, uh, there, there were some real growing pains. And uh, you know, I don't think McCarthy would be any different from that. Uh, but, you know, I, I would like to see him, you know, maybe have a little bit more of a chance for success with, you know, just a better roster to work with as well. Is he uh, uh, one of the youngest AHL coaches? I would guess he is, but I, I don't know. That yeah, I believe at this point he's the second youngest. Uh, Trent Vogelhuber, I believe, is slightly younger by maybe a year or something in Cleveland. So, but yeah, he's he's definitely on the younger side, which you know that a lot of teams like that now, right? Like you know, relating to kind of the younger uh, personalities, and you know, there is definitely a change that I've seen, you know, with players of today versus even ten years ago. Um, you know, just in terms of uh, they arrive with a lot of, you know, a lot more kind of a refined skill and talent, but, um, you know, they're, they also kind of need a lot more managing too, like personality wise as well, ego wise, all those elements. So there is a lot more of a hands-on, you know, you know, meeting with players more often, um, a lot more teaching, that kind of thing, as opposed to, you know, like when I started and it was kind of like, well, <laughs> If coach says this is, is, is the law and, uh, you know, don't bother him, you know? So <laughs> it's just a different world. In, in that sure. Regard. You know, I, I wonder that too, if hard. they, they somehow missed on, um, one day, one day hired, uh, John as head coach. And it was kind of a weird transition because, uh, I, I believe a Roy Sommer, I think, uh, from everyone, I, I think I understood he thought he was coming back for uh, the 2022-23 season, the first season at TechCU uh, Arena. And then uh, within, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks or whatnot, that that changed. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if they missed out on, not necessarily Roy, because maybe Roy wouldn't want to do it, but uh, bringing on somebody with a John the, to be sort of a, a mentor. And I know that Roy was a mentor to John, but of course, you know, that was before. And so I, the one reason why I, I, I wonder and think that is just for example, um, one thing we talked with John uh, about uh, this, uh, this uh, uh, before the season, um, you know, it was a tough, tough uh, off season for the Barracuda with all the stuff with Martin Cout and other uh, accusations of players just not being treated uh, really, really well and that sort of thing. Right. But anyway, one of the things that John said that uh, did sort of um, allude to something that Martin Cout said about just the team not 
uh, Martin said the team was just just playing for 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 themselves, kind of. The guys were just playing for themselves. That's what he felt, and that's why he didn't want to fight for them because it wasn't it wasn't a team and that sort of thing, right? And you know what are how true that is about all the fighting because that seems still very very wild. But the point though is that uh, uh, John uh, did did say though that one thing that he wanted to work on was sort of building that team togetherness uh, early on. And uh, it made me think of uh, Roy Sommer used to always have a camping trip uh, during the, mm-hmm. uh, before, before the start of the season. And <laughs> I asked John, you guys can do a camping trip because of course, John was a captain of a lot of Roy's Barracuda teams. And so John was on one of those camping trips and John, maybe no, uh, uh, no great fan of the outdoors. Just shut that down. <laughs> me like, no, we're not doing a yeah. camping trip. <laughs> but yeah, also, uh, having somebody there though, uh, who could have maybe reminded John like that first year, 2022-23, hey, maybe we got to do something. I know it's a tough year. COVID, we're still coming back from COVID in some ways. And so I'm not going to throw it all on John's doorstep, but maybe somebody to – that's an example of maybe a veteran mentor could have reminded John like, hey, this is important too. And um, yeah. It's, it's really difficult when you have a team uh, full of prospects or players who think they're prospects or would be prospects – because you're, it's almost like trying to, to herd cats, you know, as yeah. I've heard different coaches say, I mean, you got 25 players and you have 25 agendas. Um, and it's not necessarily always uh, what's best for the team. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, I, I, I come back over and over to the veteran mentorship. Uh, you need a good core. And I, the best teams in this league year in and year out have a good core of five or six vets guys that, are able to kind of get all those players out of the same page, get them to understand how team success will eventually create your own personal success. Um, and also just help these players with the transition, right? Like to, to pro life, you know, you think, think of somebody who's 20, 21 years old. Um, they're coming to San Jose, to the Bay area, expensive. They're trying to learn how to live on their own. There, there's all the off ice, um, you know, adjustments, you know, we, we sometimes I think forget how young some of these players really are. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're barely out of high school in some cases. Um, and they're, they're, they're showing up and, you know, they arrive and, you know, they think they want to be the NHL yesterday. And now all of a sudden now you're in the AHL and you're, you know, there's just all kinds of, you know, there's just the everyday problems that happen for anybody, right? Like um, you're homesick or you're, you know, you're, you're, you broke up with, with, uh, your, your, your significant other, or just uh, whatever the case may be like, you, you need some, you need that, that kind of that big brother figure there, right? Somebody that, you know, and I, I see the best, the best veterans, the best captains lead, like they'll get some of the young guys, right. You know, it's usually, it's a player who's married though, you know, so cause some of these young, young players don't always eat that well, right. They, 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 they don't know how to cook for themselves that well. Like, so they'll bring them over, let's say for like, you know, home cooked meal. Or, you know, they'll, they'll give them a ride to practice, you know, just little things like that, that kind of breed that, that um, team cohesion that you're talking about that, you know, you know, with the camping trip. And, you know, I find the camping trip and that sort of thing are good as a starting point, but the best teams kind of have that day in and day out um, uh, cohesion too, right? Where it's the, those little things, right? Like, and you have everybody kind of rooting for each other's success, you know, and I look at like this year, you know, obviously Hershey's having a, you know, possibly a record-breaking season. But, you know, one of the things I notice about that team a lot is 
guys are, you know, you'll even see it on social media. Like guys are happy when one of their teammates gets called up, mm. even though that could have been their call up. Right. You know, and like you just see them kind of rooting each other on. And, you know, so, you know, when, when you kind of get those 25 players and they're all kind of like, Hey, why'd that guy get caught up instead of me? You know, that's mm. where those, those, those kind of those cracks in the foundation start to happen. Mm. And, you know, it, you know, it, but a lot of times it's, again, it, it's that, it's that year in year out, you know, you know, carrying that success over season to season. And you, 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 you know, I know people don't like the word culture, but you do, you create a certain culture, certain uh, set of expectations, a certain way of doing things that, that, that's, that, that carry over. And, you know, that, that's difficult too, when you have so much turnover, you know, uh, you know, when I, when I looked at the, you know, like one player, for example, I thought was a really good move to bring in last year was Kyle Cusculo. I thought mm-hmm. he was fantastic. He was exactly the kind of guy, like a, a glue guy, a cohesion guy, really smart, great leader, uh, can certainly contribute on the ice, um, can go up to the NHL club in a pinch, uh, and you know, I would have certainly uh, done everything I could have done. And I'm not saying the Barracuda or the Sharks did it, but to bring a guy like that back or somebody who's his equivalent, you know, like mm. those are the guys you need. Like, you know, they're not necessarily the, the superstar veterans, but they're the, those those guys that really um, help the coaching stuff staff out, right? Like, you know, the coaches, he's only one person, and even with with some staff, there's there's you know only so much time to go around, and you know, you got 25 people that, that all need your attention and all need your help. And, you know, some of those vets can really help um, bring that along. Yeah. And that reminds me too, that um, a, a kind of a, a separate point or related that John McCarthy himself, he was the captain of the Barracuda. Yeah. I think even back to Worcester for so long and provided so much stability and very, very good captain. Yeah. Yep, yeah, and and they don't they haven't had that in a number of years since since Sean had to ha, had to retire. They haven't been able to fill uh, fill that void with anybody um, yeah. uh, for for a long stretch. But uh, anyway, I I wonder too, and I've talked about this in relation to David Quinn and uh, David Quinn, obviously like uh, like John, uh, not a very good record uh, in his league right now either. And whether or not they should get the axe, whether or not they should bear the brunt of, of of the poor record and the two questions that jump out and we've sort of touched on one already um how good did you think this team was right and we've i think we're, we're starting to we've dug into that a little bit we'll dig deeper into it a little later but also too considering that both the sharks and the barracuda are rebuilding and so anyway do you have any thoughts on john's uh, ability or how he, how he's done developing players do you have any perspective on that I think, you know, when you look at, you know, the players that have gone up, uh, he, I think he's, he's done okay. I mean, it's hard to say, like, he hasn't had a ton of time with them yet. Right. Sure, like, course, I like to yeah. give the coach at least full two seasons, probably three, if we're being, you know, you know, an ideal situation. He hasn't always had the easiest players either. Like you, you mentioned a count, uh, you know, uh, you know, I think of Ryan Merkley. That was a difficult <laughs> situation. You know, like he went to Colorado and like, for me, that was like the test with Merkley where like, okay, Greg Cronin got his hands on him for, you know, half a season or whatever it was. And he couldn't kind of. And wash his hands his really quickly too. <laughs> and so, you know, like that for me was like, all right, you know, I'm not going to certainly fault McCarthy there. Right. Like, yeah, you know, so, yeah. you know, players have to own some of the, uh, the, you know, some of the, I mean, this is a team, let's be honest, is struggling across the board, NHL club, AHL club, like, you know, if 
uh, you know, people are looking for blame. I mean, hey, you know, I think everybody can take some of that blame. And uh, but I also know that the best teams, the best operations in the league, like Tampa and Syracuse, like it's not about blame. It's about how do we, right, how do we improve? How do we get better? Um, and not just how do we point fingers. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, again, that just starts with that, that, that's that certain foundation, that, that, that culture that you have to establish. And it takes time. It's not something you can kind of just whip up in one off season, but you know, I think McCarthy is, he's done okay in terms of his number one job, which is to develop players. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and of course that comes back to the whole argument. Okay. Winning does winning help development. Does development help winning? How do they work hand in hand? Um, but you know, he hasn't had the winning part as much to help him along. So, but, uh, you know, when I look at, you know, the players that have gone up, I mean, I think he's, he's done okay, but mm-hmm. you know, it's, he's not necessarily, I, I think also working with, you know, a fantastic group of prospects either. So, uh, yeah. you know, so, you know, it's the old adage, like, you know, <laughs> somebody goes to the grocery store, buys the ingredients, brings them home to the, to the chef. Well, the chef can only work with what you bring them home, right? Like, sure. So it's uh, it's 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 a little bit of everything, quite frankly. I think. Yeah, I think it's also uh, you. You make a great point about it. it's maybe a little early to to evaluate that. I know that Roy received a lot of criticism criticism at the end for uh, the Barracuda not turning out too many great angel players, but I don't know if he was given a lot to. And I think yeah. I, I lean more toward that thinking. Uh, with John here, uh, we've only had about a year and a half so far of sort of evaluate that. Uh, there are mm-hmm. some kind of promising uh, uh, players. I will mention them, uh, like uh, um, William Mecklin has not to give uh, sure. John sole credit for William's development, but William definitely developed down there and has done oh, a yeah. good job this season with the Sharks. Uh, Shakir Mukhamadoulin looks uh, like he, at least in the AHL, looks like he grew this season from mm-hmm. a training camp. Uh, this uh, uh, this fall to uh, the last time I saw him in the AHL. Of course, now he's in the NHL. Those are a couple of guys. Of course, there are guys who are sort of uh, plateaued too. You mentioned Merkley. Thomas Bortolo might be in, in that camp too. So I don't, I'm not trying to say that John is a unqualified success in development, but mm-hmm. like you mentioned, uh, the jury is still out and there's a yeah. couple of promising cases and a couple of uh, not so promising mm-hmm. cases. I think that's uh, probably a, a very fair assessment, yeah. You mentioned earlier that that Gushin had come along a little bit faster than you had um, expected. What what have you seen from him? I just see a player that you know, like is playing with confidence, right? Like that's a, that's one of the biggest challenges in this league. Just you know, players have had generally by the time they arrive at the HL, they've had nothing but success for the most part. Like whether they're coming from college, junior, Europe, wherever wherever the case may be, and they come in the HL and can be kind of a, a, a rude awakening for a lot of young players. And, uh, they kind of they hit that wall, and uh, you know a lot of them don't get over that wall. Um, I see a player there that you know, like you like to see him now. He's like he's starting to drive the play. He's controlling the play. Like he wants to kind of be the guy, um, and so that for me is really encouraging. And you know, especially too, where like like he's asked to do more than maybe if he was with a different club where there was more more around him. Uh, so like he's taking a lot more on his shoulders. Um, that's you know that that then maybe he would otherwise have to do. So I I'm 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 pretty impressed. Uh, like I said, like I think he is further along. And you know, if, when he came in, obviously there you know your 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 higher higher end draft pick. You know, there's certainly some potential, but um, you know we've seen you know, there's long list of first, second, third round picks that's, uh, that have come through uh, all 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 of 32 clubs and. 
haven't panned out, so you never quite know. But uh, like, right? I, yeah. I think he's ahead of schedule, if anything. And uh, I want to see where he can go with this, and maybe you know, I guess if the Barracuda really start to fall out of uh, contention, um, you wouldn't have that opportunity to have him be in kind of a playoff race. Um, uh, maybe then at that point, uh, you want to see him up with the Sharks more and. Uh, so uh, get an opportunity there, kind of see what he could do. So it, it's, it's tough. Like, you know, I, I, if, you know, last season, for example, like the Barracuda were kind of in a fight for, for a playoff spot, mm-hmm. you know? So like, I like players to go through that, right? Like they're playing a lot of high pressure games rather than going up the NHL. Maybe they're not necessarily getting, you know, ton of minutes or they're not, you know, in those high pressure games. So, um, you know, but you know, it's really a lot's going to probably depend on next month or so. Let's see where this Barracuda goes standings wise. Um, because you know, right now they're kind of they're out. yeah, I mean, and it's quite frankly, it's pretty hard to miss the playoffs in this league. I mean, 23 <laughs> out of 32 clubs make it, so yeah. you know, they're at, at present, uh, they're nine points back. Um, they do have 31 games to go. So, you know, I have seen teams make up differences. Uh, this is a league of streets. I always say that, uh, you know, you can go on. It's pretty easy in this league to go on a six game losing streak or a 16 winning streak. And, and really the, you, you see those big swings in the standings, but uh, no, certainly, uh, you know, they really, uh, they have to make up some ground here in the next month or so. Uh, or else at that point, then you have to really think, okay, what's, what's, for a player like Gushin, where is he best served to kind of play out the rest of the season? Yeah, the um, last few seasons, probably this season too, the Barracuda, ha- Barracuda hadn't had a lot of defensive depth. Um, this year they brought in Gavanka. They rotated mm-hmm. in like Mukabadulin and Henry Thrun before he got called up. And they have like NHL-ish vets in Radim Shemek and, and Nikolai uh, Kanizhov. But they're still last in the league in goals against. Um, yeah. So you, I think you said earlier there is a component of like they allow so many shots, support team defense, and, and inconsistent goaltending. But it's, it's just a combination of all of the factors, or is it? Yeah, it's you know your your goaltenders are, are you know um, third most shots faced um, in the league. So you know they're getting kind of pelted every night. Um, they struggle, then that kind of you know causes a ripple effect. That okay now. The, you know, some of the, you know, your, your defensemen, your forwards aren't able to maybe push the play as much or take chances. So, um, you know, I think to the Barracuda's credit, they're, they're, I believe they're 14th right now in, in, in goals per game. So they are kind of keeping up more or less offensively. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a little bit of everything, kind of like, you know, you take one brick out of the wall and, you know, the rest <laughs> of, you know, it all starts, starts to ripple. And, um, it's, uh, it's yes, it's a, they're in a tough spot right now. And they're, you know, it's, a, it's again, that's where you're looking for, you're looking for some people to step up and kind of take the bull by the horns here, but uh, I'm not sure that that's entirely possible. And then, you know, I look, you know, ahead at the schedule, right. I believe they have the next month and a half plus they have five home games. And I want to say somewhere in the range of uh, like, 14 road games. So five of nine, let's say five out of 19 roughly mm-hmm. um, are on the road uh, against some real tough opponents too. Right. So uh, they have a lot of Coachella Valley ahead of them, you know, the first place team in the league. Uh, they have, uh, you know, Abbotsford, a real solid club. Uh, they go out to Texas, you know, in March. Uh, so, 
you know, but you know, then, then again, then they kind of surprised me. Then they, then they did go play a game like this. Uh, what last Friday against Calgary, yeah. um, a little yeah, bit of the team and they, uh, shut them out three, nothing. Mackie, mm-hmm. I mean, makes what the three, I want to say 37, 37, 37 saves. And they look like, oh, okay, this is a team, right? Like, I mean, I, I, I was joking around with somebody, but not also kind of not like, you know, I think we kind of got a good, <laughs> a good barometer, maybe a, or a good sign of things to come with this Barracuda team. When you look at opening weekend, they played Rockford. They lost seven to two and they won seven to two, right? <laughs> yeah. That's right. High team where, you know, <laughs> some nights they look like they have it. And then other nights they look like they've, they've never played a game together. And it, it's just, it's part of that. It's just the, this league is, is, is a young league and, you know, players, you know, will tell you, I mean, and, and certainly scouts and GMs will tell you and time and time again, the hardest thing to, to build in this league is consistency, both because mm-hmm. of just the youth and also just the lineup changes and, sure. Schedule and everything, so um, that's something that really I think has eluded this team a lot uh, for for a good chunk of uh, this season, and that's why they find themselves where they are in the standings. I also want to ask you about the defense in a sense of going back to the original thing I said early on that it's always hard, for, I think, to evaluate um, uh, how good your players are compared to other AHL mm-hmm. players. And so the Sharks uh, sent down a Shimmick and a Knizhov, and I think it's easy to be look at, oh, these guys have played a lot of Angel games. They're going to dominate down there in AHL. And that's not often that's not the case and so yeah. from what you've seen of these two veteran uh veteran players uh, how good are they in in the ahl yeah you know this you know this is something where it, it's difficult because ideally the nhl club the nhl and its teams would love the ahl to completely mimic what they're trying to do what they do in the nhl but the hl in a lot of ways is a much different game um it's a lot more scrambly uh, the schedule is markedly different, just in the sense that um, you see mostly the same, let's say, 10 to 15 opponents um, all year, if in, sure. in some cases fewer than that. So, like, um, you don't catch teams by surprise as much, like, you know, and like by, by midseason, the pre-scout is kind of like, OK, well, we've already played these guys seven <laughs> times, you know, so, you know, it, it's much more scrambly. Uh, and I find a lot that, that you know, a lot of times like players come from the NHL where it's very structured, very kind of like um, in some ways almost like paint by numbers. And like, like, you know, you do what you have to do and everyone else is going to do their job and every, everything's going to, to go, go smoothly. Whereas like down in the AHL, it's, it's, it's chaotic uh, a lot of times. And, you know, so, so players that, that really thrive on that structure of the NHL definitely can come to the AHL and, and struggle. And, Hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think that's uncommon at all. Like, you know, the two players you mentioned, uh, it's, I see it quite a bit, you know, across the league where, um, you see the, you know, players who've, you've had some success up top, you know, in one way or another, and certainly are, are, are players, at least on paper, you would expect to come in and handle things pretty easily, uh, instead find themselves sometimes struggling, uh, down at this level. And also related to the defense too, I uh, wanted to ask if you have any perspective on uh, what uh, what I found to be a really curious decision for the Barracuda to start the season with three young goalies, one injury prone, like you mentioned with Makinyemi. Um, they had a veteran like Arendelle that 
in theory, mm-hmm. they, they, they could have signed that literally was helping out uh, Logan Couture uh, in, in his rehab, uh, just hanging around San Jose for, for, for quite a while. And so I just, I, yeah, it just seems, it just seems like such an odd and curious decision. Also speaking to, um, your point of needing one of these guys to take the bull by the horns. Um, I, I was at that, uh, that, uh, uh, that Barracuda game uh, last Friday where they shut out the, the, the Wranglers and I spoke with John McCarthy after the game. And he said that a couple weeks ago, they had actually had talked to those three young goalies, uh, Makiniemi, Krona and uh, Romanov and said, Hey, uh, we need one of you guys to kind of, take the bull by the horns uh, mm-hmm. and and take take charge kind of that that's what they're really looking for for them to to make a run and obviously uh Makiniemi, um got off to a good start in that regard uh, two wins in a row including that that, that shutout um but anyway though uh it's but anyway it all speaks though to i mean to have to talk to your goalies mid-season like that that's usually not a good sign <laughs> that means that means that no one has kind of take taken taken charge yet. And uh, anyway, um, just any any perspective on why the Barracuda decided to 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 kind of roll uh, to to go that way, and which I, we can see, I think it's hurting them in the standings, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it was a strange decision. I thought, you know, even though I'm not trying to hindsight 2020 this, but, sure. Um, but yeah, you had a guy like Aaron Dell who certainly. Uh, He's that number one guy, like that number three, if you will, you know, yeah. the NHL depth chart. Um, like he, he fits that to, you know, to a T. Um, a guy that can certainly he's, he's had his time in the NHL. He can go up uh, pretty easily without a problem. Um, and you know, when he's in the AHL, he can be a dependable number one. And um, you know, you're rolling the dice there with a guy like Mackinemi who's had his um, you know, his his injury issues, and then you had um, a guy like Corona coming from um, you know, college, University of Denver last year, and then you had Romanov who you know, coming over from, from the KHL, and that's off. Not even the VWHL. Oh, the, yeah, the VHL, I should say. And, um, and you know, it's you know, it's it, I guess in theory it seems good to be like, okay, well, we'll have this competition, and we'll, we'll sort of let everybody you know fight for playing time. But what happens when kind of nobody? Like you, you know, said with McCarthy, nobody tastes the bull by the horns. Then what, right? Then you're kind of, well, you're exactly where the Barracuda are right now. You know, where um, you're kind of everyone's looking around, waiting for somebody else to do something. And that's, you know, that's why like you looked in Ontario. They went out, they got um, Aaron Dell to come into <laughs> play there, right? So now you're going to see him, you know, <laughs> like kind of salt in the wound for the Barracuda, and uh, because you know there there's an injury obviously up top with, with Copley. He's hurt, so Riddich goes up. Uh, you know, Riddich, another good example of a guy that can be the number three on your depth chart and uh, kind of be that 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 glue uh, between the NHL and the AHL club. And you, you, I've seen teams like it's. I joke, but I don't. It's almost like teams try to sort of like outwit the system, right? Mm-hmm. And the system always wins, right? Like it's it's like. <laughs> It's like the house always wins, you know, and like, you know, you always think, okay, maybe we can get by with, you know, with this, you know, alternative, you know, we don't need a, a, a true number three. And then inevitably you always do. Right. And so, you know, it's, uh, you know, there were some good goalies too on the market this summer, you know, who fit that bill and, you know, Dell certainly being one of them. And, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not privy to kind of why, why things unfolded the way they did, but, you know, it just, I felt like, you know, like he's right there and, you know, he would have been perfect for this club. 
And obviously, we're not saying that Arundel is the reason why the Brooklyn are where they are. There's no. plenty of goalies that they 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 could have signed. Actually, mm-hmm. this was their opportunity to bring back Martin Jones. That would have been fun, right? Sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so yeah, there's all all sorts of options, and you know, you can even sometimes go the the, the European path. Some of those, you know, like uh, like I look at Florida, they brought in uh, Ludwig uh, Weber, and you know, he was a Swiss guy, and you know guy who had some success over there comes over at like 27 you know he's he's been okay helped spencer knight there along with the charlotte uh, checkers and you know kind of again a guy that can step in when needed uh, to help your prospect and you know when you know is also able to step back right and so you know it's you know asking you know essentially a rookie uh, a player that was in the VHL last season and somebody who's been battling injuries uh, to kind of come in and uh, hold down the reins for a team in front of them that has its own issues. You know, obviously at defensive forward, I think maybe was asking a little too much. Yeah. On to some better news. The uh, <laughs> offense is pretty good. I mean, they're, they're yeah. third in the Pacific <laughs> Division for uh, goals for. Uh, much better spot than they are in their defense. Um, what's gone right with them so far, even though they lost like a huge piece in William Eklund for the whole year that they had last year? Yeah, well, you know, I think Nathan Todd's been uh, kind of back to his his self. Like he was a player that, uh, um, you know, he battled some injuries uh, last season. Um, he was in the St. Louis system. Um, and, you know, he was, he was a player that like he'd come kind of like, he really kind of broken through in the pandemic year, but, that was, that was kind of a watered down year in the AHL. So it was really tough to kind of get a sense of, okay, what kind of player is he really? Well, he's, he's come in and been, been a nice, nice addition. I think, you know, uh, um, Cole Castles, um, you know, he's not going to put up a ton of points necessarily, but uh, he's, he is one of those, those good glue guys, right? Like a mm-hmm. good dependable veteran, like, uh, you know, he was in Belleville um, and Cleveland. And, you know, I talked to both coaching staff is about it staffs there about him over the years they always constantly raved about him you know just a guy you can you, you throw over the boards there at the last minute of the game he can hold lead for you or you can put him out there he can maybe help you get a tying goal like a, someone just you know kind of real coach's favorite like somebody they can really depend on um so um there's been there's been some sign that uh, the thing i do like uh, scoring wise for the barracuda it's it's has been fairly evenly distributed. Um, you know, it hasn't been, um, you know, one one or two guys kind of carrying everything. Um, so, uh, you know, I think you know, all things considered, considering what's, you know, you know, the losses in terms of uh, the roster, like losing Carpenter, losing Bailey early, uh, obviously, you know, Lindblom's, is, you know, going out of the lineup. Uh, you know, I think there's been some, you know, some positive development there in, in terms of, um, you know, some of your, uh, you know, some of your distribute, you know, kind of distributing that scoring across the lineup. So, you know, uh, and I don't mean to paint like the dire, a dire picture, you know, for Barracuda fans. I mean, you know, what this team is going through is not all that unusual around the league. I mean, you know, you can, you can probably pull, let's say six to eight teams around this league that are going through some of the same issues that the Barracuda are, uh, maybe even more than that. And, um, you know, I think, you know, with, with, with uh, a couple, you know, changes of fortune, you know, this, this is a team that uh, could certainly, um, you know, get themselves into a playoff spot by the end of the year. But, you know, it is also, again, it's a team where probably everything's going to have to kind of fall just right for them as well. 
I wonder too to kind of I guess maybe wrap up a little bit in terms of just the uh, the 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 totality of the team and also the the coaching a little bit too. Um, I I think uh, you know we answered sort of uh, how good is this is this Barracuda team and like you mentioned in your opinion um, it had to be everything had to break for them to even be I guess even a fringe kind of uh, a playoff team um, but. How is the team uh, competing? Because I think that's another bit that I look at uh, when you look at uh, how John McCarthy is doing. Um, what, time, what kind of team does he have? How is he developing? And the team that he does have, are they competing, you think? Yeah, you know. Yeah. I, uh, this, uh, yeah, this Barracuda team, I just, uh, you know, these are kind of the teams that are the hardest to diagnose, I mm -hmm. feel like. Right, because there's not necessarily one one thing where you can definitely point and be like, okay, all right, this is the problem. Fix this, and you'll be good. Right, like it's a little bit of everything. Um, and so, um, in in that regard, uh, yeah, um, it's um, it's a challenge. It's a challenging group, right? You know, and like I, again, I don't want to kind of, I don't want to put too too negative a light on it. I also don't want to like you know kind of paint over things either like you know there there are you know this is this is part and parcel though of, of really just an operation across the board nhl down to the hl and i always say the nhl team's problems or successes eventually become the hl team's problems or successes and you know with the nhl team obviously going through their adjustment and their rebuild and their struggles um it's not that surprising that um you know it's there's going to be some um you know growing pains down at the hl level as well well, uh, Patrick, uh, thank you so much for your time. We've got a couple more questions for you, if that's okay with your, your Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Okay, no great. <laughs> uh, this is actually the, they're going to be quick hitters and then we'll, we'll get out of okay. here. But you get one Barracuda player. Who's your favorite Barracuda player to watch? Like if you could pick one. Uh, Mark McDoolin, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just a dynamic player. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, actually, yeah. About Mooka because we, we talked a little bit about it, but is it, um, I guess how impressive is it that he's you know this young and, and doing so well in the AHL? Well, I think yeah, the fact he comes in is just like he's confident, right? Like he pushes the play, and that's the thing I look for with young defensemen, especially. Like, um, do they have that poise? Are they are they are they are they a common influence out there, or are they kind of like you put them out there and it's chaotic? Mm -hmm. um, and he's a lot. He's he's someone that that you know he has that composure um, and. You know, again, he's young and, you know, there's going to be mistakes and like, you know, like even your best defensemen that come through this league on the way to the, you know, a good NHL career have had their struggles. But, you know, I've like been he's fun to watch. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think the Sharks have a good one in him. Yeah, love it. And then uh, or, uh, it kind of goes with that. Any other like possible future NHLers from this prospect group? I know there's some um, we've had a few disappointing um, players in the past few drafts kind of linger around the Barracuda, but anybody that you could think of besides Muka Badula, because we, we all know he's going to make it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I never like to write off players too early and I really like, it's a, it's a habit I tried to, you know, really break because, you know, I have, I've been proven wrong enough times where you like, you think, okay, that guy. And then, you know, something like the, the switch goes on or maybe a, get a different uh, development coach or a different, uh, different team. Uh, but, you know, I like, I, I think Gushin, I think there's a player there for the NHL club. Um, I, I think Bordalo should should eventually um, he should pull through. Uh, 
and yeah, and Gavanka is an interesting. Um, you know, he's an interesting one. I, I, I do think there, there's NHL talent there. It's just a matter of can you kind of harness it all at the NHL level, right? Like, and, and kind of do what he does successfully down here, but also be able to do what you need to do at the NHL level, where obviously he's not going to be able to contribute as much offensively. So um, I, I think there's some talent there. I mean, it's it's a it's a developing young group, right? Like, you know, there's there's, there's definitely some some tough nights as we've seen, but, um, you know, I do think there is, there is something uh, for Sharks and Barracuda fans to, to feel positive about. And a last one for me here. Uh, we've talked a lot about uh, John McCarthy and I think it's easy a lot of times to look at the guy that you see on the bench, the guy that's mm-hmm. face front with, with everything and say, uh, what is he doing wrong? Uh, you know, let fire this guy or, or whatever, right? But I wonder mm-hmm. though, if you look at the Barracuda, they haven't been competitive for a very competitive for a number of years. Um, and this is not just to say it's on one guy, but it's also uh, tied into the development prospects, right? And maybe those guys coming along aren't that remarkable either. But uh, what do you think of uh, what uh, Joe Will uh, ha- has done o- over the years here? Um, uh, he's been the the GM of this team for for quite a while here, and so and we talk about uh, the roster might maybe not being uh, the the greatest roster, and that a lot of it is is probably on the GM. Though of course, the flip side of that is that we don't know what uh, what Mike Greer wants from Joe Will from mm-hmm. the Barracuda team, so that is also part and parcel with it. But just in general, what do you think of the job that uh, Joe has done? Uh, what's he done well? What can he improve? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's again, like it, it's sort of to bring this full circle, kind of what you you pointed out. That you know, like it depends on you know what are the NHL clubs' priorities. Like, what are they? What are they? What do they view the AHL club as a as a vehicle for? You know, is it strictly develop? Is it develop to win? You know, some teams really uh, it's mostly about winning. Um, you know, because it just depends too, like where you are, your 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 uh, kind of your prospect cycle. Like if you've already graduated a bunch of guys and you're kind of like, you know, replenishing the system, it might take a couple of years. So you're like, all right, well, this is maybe more going to be a time where we're going to sign a bunch of vets and we're just going to try to win for a couple of years and, you know, until we, we restock the system with picks and like Vegas wasn't that exactly because, uh, you know, obviously their expansion team, but like their first couple of years with Chicago, for example, like they were all, they were all about winning there. Right. Mm. Like, you know, cause they didn't really have any picks to put in the system. So there's not sure. a whole lot of development to do. So, um, so you see some cases like that. So, you know, and you know, I th- one thing that that is, I think, uh, maybe something that can be a challenge. I have heard some players, um, mention things, you know, at different points, like, like it's a, it's a expensive place to live, mm-hmm. uh, the Bay area, obviously, like, and you're trying to get by on a AHL salary in some cases, like, um, it can be tough, right? Like if you look at, like, if you're looking at your, your two offers, you're like, well, the money is roughly the same, but I'm going to. Say I'm going to uh, play in Wilkesbury. Well, that money's going to go a lot further than if you're going to play in, um, in San Jose, right? Like, and your 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 rent's going to be two times, three times, whatever it might be, right? Like, so you know, it's, it's, it's those little sort of those challenges that that uh, I think you know you'll see a, maybe a GM run into. And um, so I think with Will, like, I think I think he's done a respectable job. I don't, you know, like. I think considering that, you know, the team is, you know, obviously it's been a huge amount of transition through the Sharks operation the last several years. And 
Um, you know, he's he's just one one part of that whole operation. He doesn't, you know, sure. he doesn't just wave magic wand and you know <laughs> issue orders like so. You know, he's um, you know yes he, he has a boss or several bosses to answer to and uh, you know and uh, so yeah no I think he's he, I think he's done okay um, but um, you know I think the next few years will be really critical for for the sharks and the barracuda as a whole like to really start to establish some of that groundwork uh, for, for a good, you know, development culture, you know, and, and a place where every year you can start to turn out three or four players for the NHL club. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Patrick, for, for joining Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Um, it's been uh, enlightening to hear a little bit mm-hmm. about from uh, the Barracuda from outside, like Sheng was saying, because we get a lot of uh, Sharks voices and a lot of fans, mm-hmm. but, you know, people on the outside, we, we'd like to know from too. Uh, absolutely. My pleasure. Anytime. Yep. Thanks so much, Patrick. I'll see you uh, this weekend uh, in San Jose. Perfect. Sounds good. All right. Uh, take care, guys. All right. Um. So we spoke with Patrick about uh, the Barracuda, which you guys have, have now hopefully watched um, all the way through. A pretty lengthy discussion. Um, what do you let's let's talk a little bit about it. what what are the people saying? What are the people that you hear from talking about the Barracuda? Because and I don't want to bring up, you know, dig up old news, but there was also that summer story about the fighting and the Martin Couch situation. Sure. As, and now, also uh, JD's uh, being a locked on sharks about how the players were being treated. Yep, absolutely. That was it was a great episode. Um and also the the wives and girlfriends thing and how they're mm-hmm. being treated. Sure. What What's going on with the Barracuda? What's what's okay. the scuttle? So uh, as as I mentioned uh, with the Mukumudulan thing, you talk with people outside, and if everyone tells you the same thing, then good. Uh, then then you then you have a, a pretty uh, you can say pretty comfortably one way or another what what's sure. going on with the player or organization or whatever, right? I also mentioned this a lot with Mario Ferraro that I hear different things from different people, and so that's what uh, makes me unsure about his trade value. And so the Barracuda, I I reached out to a lot of people. And my question to everybody was really just about the Barracuda team this year. Why are the Barracuda so bad? That's all what I asked. That's what I asked everybody. And I got back a lot of different answers, though. And not everything was related to the team this year. And um, just sticking with what 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 Patrick talked about and his how he sees it isn't really any different than how other people see it. Other scouts, executives that this Barracuda team wasn't isn't isn't a very good team uh not even at its best on paper um despite the number of kind of name veterans that that you might recognize compared to other ahl teams they're they're not that good um and so just get that out out of the way Uh, a lot of questions about why they started a goaltending their season with three unproven goalies three unproven the ahl uh goalies which patrick alluded to and that's what i heard back from everybody you know it's a different goalie every time we play them (laughs) was was what one what one 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 guy told me um so i think there's a lot of questions about that decision uh from from uh from mike greer from uh joe will whoever kind of made that decision to to roll the run run to start the season out with three unproven guys and your most proven guy is a a guy that can't stay healthy. Um, So a lot of questions about that. And I also want to preface this too, by saying that I'm still digging on this stuff. Um, A lot of stuff like is too, too much for an episode. If I really pull the string on it, it's too much for this episode because we're already at going to be at, what is this like 
close to the two hour mark or something or hour 30 mark. So, something like uh, that. So it's too much for uh, for just uh, just one episode, but it's something that I'll, I'll pull on a bit more uh, over the next uh, next few months or so. But anyway, sure. so first I want to talk about uh, John. I want to talk about three different elements, uh, three different things about the Barracuda or Sharks organization. First, uh, John McCarthy. Uh, should John McCarthy be be fired and, and all that kind of stuff? I know that's that's sort of the the talk now, right? And I, I people do do tell me that even though they think that he is a good man and a good coach. Like that's that is unanimous, but maybe, and I alluded to it in a conversation with Patrick that maybe uh, uh, they could have hired somebody veteran to kind of mentor to to be associate coach or something to 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 be there with with a John McCarthy uh, who had no uh, no head coaching experience before before this job right obviously his playing career ended uh, kind of out of nowhere right with the unfortunate uh, health uh, with the, with the, with the stroke right a couple of years ago and so anyway uh, he's a guy that that didn't have a lot of head coaching reps before he 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 got here. And so it was suggested to me that maybe uh, he could have been uh, he, he could have been a, a, a position coach yeah. for for a couple of years and before his first head coaching job. Uh, and when he gets a head coaching job, then surround him with a veteran staff or better veteran players. And so anyway, that's a consistent thing that the veteran part that we talked with with Patrick a little bit and with other people that. They are lacking in veteran leadership, not just among the players and not just uh, among having enough uh, enough high end veteran age of players like Ryan Carpenter, who's not with them right now, of course. Uh, but uh, also too, the, the coaching staff maybe maybe could benefit or could have benefited from that. Now McCarthy is a year and a half in, so maybe he's got those reps a little bit right now. Um, but definitely last season though, um, and we heard about, like I alluded to, McCarthy talking about the team not being as together mm-hmm. uh maybe having 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 a little bit more of a, a veteran a compliment there could have helped him in, in 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 that way um so anyway it's not clear cut on mccarthy like it's again uh, these are things i'm still digging on so i i didn't get across the board like yeah you got to can this guy he's a terrible coach that's not what i what i hear so yeah um Someone pointed out at Joe Will, and Joe Will's the GM of the Barracuda, and he's been the GM of the Barracuda for, for quite a while. I think uh, since uh, before they, they moved over, or maybe a little after they, they moved over and around that time range. Anyway, uh, he's not constructed strong Barracuda teams for a number of years, the last four, four years or, or, or so. And so if you look at a decision to start the season with, with three unproven goalies, you know, is that on his doorstep? I don't know. Um, but anyway, uh, so that's that's what what one person kind of kind kind of pointed out that there hasn't mm-hmm. been a track record of success there. And then also you look at some of the stories that you heard about just how players are being treated. As much as we we did an episode about it, and then we said, well, maybe it's not quite as extreme as some people are saying, and I don't think it is. But nonetheless, though, um, we said in this episode that they could be better, and. Joel is the GM of, of the team, and so he is sort of the the head of you know of of uh, he he could spearhead the being better part, and yeah. it sounds like he he didn't uh, necessarily do that last year. Um, and and um, then Patrick, finally, yeah. before we get to the final, Patrick also yeah. mentioned in in the interview um, talking about just the cost of the Bay Area for these kind of players because mm-hmm. AHL salaries are not NHL salaries by any sure, means. Sure, yeah. So attracting players to the Bay Area to play for the Barracuda specifically 
may be a tough challenge for Joe Will that, that people haven't really appreciated before. Maybe. No, Maybe, but then in that case, though, someone's got to figure out on the Cuda or Sharks that uh, I'm not saying just Joe, but someone's mm-hmm. got to figure out like, okay, uh, we cannot pay this, the, 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 like, we cannot pay salaries that are, are necessarily the most tenable in, 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 for living in the area, sure. even though the HL has no salary cap. But yeah, you can't, you can't pay players a ridiculous uh, amount, right? Um, but you can treat players amazing. Yeah. Like there's no budget on that, right? True. Um, so things like that, right? So there there are things that like I guess what I'm saying is that like if if you're in the Bay Area and and maybe there is some degree of disadvantage because there is not a value to living here uh, for 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 families and whatnot, right? Um, then it should never be a question then uh, then then how 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 you're treated like yeah. the perks. And that's what tech tech that's what tech companies out here do, right? If if, yeah. you, if you look up like the perks of working at a Google or a Facebook or, or, or meta or, or whatever. Right. Uh, they're, you know, they're amazing compared to like working at John Deere. So I guess the point is you, you can compensate for some of that yep. by, by, by treating players and wives so well that you never hear a story or a podcast, uh, uh, suggesting that, that you're just treating them average or bad or, or, or whatever. And so that's 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 the thought. And that, again, that's not all on Joe Will. And that sure. leads to kind of the last thing, right? And so I talked with someone else about why the Barracuda are bad this year. And he, and he said, uh, the problem is even higher up the chain, and it's with the Sharks. <laughs> yep, the <laughs> and, whole thing. And, yeah, the whole thing. And so he said that a lot of unqualified people are making decisions in our game today without really adding much to it. And so that's a conversation that I need to pull at the string more. And obviously the guy you think about is Mike Greer who came in uh, with uh, no GM, no AGM experience. Uh, maybe he's also talking about someone else or other people in the Sharks organization. Um, yeah, and yeah. I've also heard good things about Mike too. So I don't want to throw Mike entirely under a bus. And same thing with Joe Will. I don't want to throw Joe Will entirely under a bus. I've heard good things about Joe Will too. Uh, but anyway, though, um, the overall point, though, is that that there are there's a lot more to this story. Uh, be it a uh, John McCarthy, be it a Joe Will, be it a Mike Greer. I think there are questions, and that is my mom in the background. So hi, mom. <laughs> uh, there are, are questions about uh, about all these uh, uh, all these guys. That I, sure. I need to kind of kind of kind of dig on more. There wasn't just one sort of consistent narrative, though. Well, the one narrative was that the Barracuda are a bad team. <laughs> They are a bad team. Uh, on paper, on paper, yeah. it's so 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 so. It's not like this. It's not like this was a Calder Cup uh, contender mm-hmm. that that is that is uh, <laughs> ten points out uh, of, of the playoffs right now. Um, so anyway, um, so I think uh, I, I think this is a good wrap up. I think though. she's trying to tell you that you got to get out of here. I, uh, she's telling me I got to go catch my flight back to you, back to LA. So. Yeah, you're, uh, so uh, thank, you've thank been you ousted. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> I think this is a great. I think this is a great ending to the show. I, this is a I, good ending for episode. So. I'm really excited about this. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, we'll 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 talk about the Barracuda more. We we're doing a little bit of digging now, but I think we'll have a, a another episode later on in the year, maybe in the off season, about what to do with the Barracuda. Yeah, and if you have any questions about it, actually, to tease our episode next week. Uh, uh, it's a no. bye week, so we're gonna have a mailbag episode. So uh, if you have some questions, look for. Uh, look, I'm gonna ask you to drop your questions in the comments of an article soon, and so that's that's a place to put them. Mm-hmm. And so we'll answer and some we, of those uh, next week. 
we may or may not have an in-person attendance of the bean pod as well to talk about as well. <laughs> oh, somebody might be somebody might be doing a little bit of uh, reporting about on the bean pod and uh, Will Smith. Maybe I don't so know. Who. It might be kicking with guy. Joel uh, with Will Smith and a future shark Macklin Celebrini. It's probably this guy. Anyway, <laughs> uh, all right, guys. We'll talk to you later on. Bye. Bye.